This morning's reading will be from Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 52. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came and said to him, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go to the, into the surrounding countrysides and villages to buy them so, themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? He said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And th when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up, took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side of Bethsaida. While he dismissed the, dismissed the crowd, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when the evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway. Painful, painfully for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and he meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, and they thought it was a ghost, and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into a boat with them, and the wind seized, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Morning, everyone. Thank you, Samuel. Um, I would like to start by praying, so please join me. Let me pray. Father in heaven, you are good. You are glorious. Uh, you're the almighty one. Um, you're perfect in every way. And we thank you that we can talk to you. And we thank you that we can hear from you. Lord, thank you for making yourself known, for uh, sending prophets who uh, spoke your words who, and then uh, ultimately, uh, Lord Jesus, for coming into, into our world, um, revealing yourself perfectly. And we thank you that we have the Bible that uh, bears witness uh, to you, that you have given us your word in spoken, uh, in written form, and we thank you for that. Lord, help us to understand it. Help me to uh, speak faithfully uh, to what you've said, and help us all, each and every one of us, to be built up in our faith in the Lord Jesus, and uh, to see you more clearly and to love you. Uh, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I don't know if I said this at the beginning. My name's Jared. Uh, nice to see you all. Um, and uh, what was I going to say? Uh, yes. Have you ever been lost? Like, uh, really lost? Like, maybe you've gone into the bush and then uh, someone's left you there and, you know, maybe all you have is, uh, I don't know, uh, a pair of scissors or something. And... Uh, <laughs> Your, your, your job is to find your way back and, and the trees all look the same and it doesn't matter how many times you walk around 
you start to see things and you're like, man, this, this looks familiar, but I have no idea where I am. I was trying to think about times when I was lost and um, I couldn't think of too many. I don't know, maybe that's just because I'm forgetful, but how many people have actually been really lost, like properly lost? Yeah, cool, nice. Yeah, I'll have to think some more and try and think of some occasions. But that's, that's a bit like um, what the people were like uh, today, the people that Jesus uh, ministers to, that he talks to. He describes them as being like sheep without a shepherd. And if you think, what a sheep without a shepherd, they're lost. And, uh, and so that's, uh, that's helpful for us to, to realize that. Other thing to realize as well is that sheep without a shepherd often don't even know they're lost. They, they, they might have no idea, uh, but, but they need the shepherd and just like we need the Lord Jesus. So we, we pick up uh, today from, um, with the apostles coming back. Uh, back to, to see Jesus. I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago, Jesus sent them out. He sent them to go and uh, tell people about him, to preach the gospel, to do miracles and do all these things. And so they've gone out and, and now they're coming back, coming back to report to Jesus on what's happened. So I've called this little section, the return of the apostles. Uh, they've, they've come back to Jesus. They tell him all that they've done and taught. And this is them reporting back to him. Jesus, he knows them. He, he calls them away by themselves to a desolate place to rest a while, uh, to be still, uh, to be quiet, to find some rest in the midst of the busyness. And just in case we were wondering how busy they were, Mark gives us an idea. Many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. They're so busy in the work that they're doing that they're missing meals. And Jesus calls them to go away into a desolate place by themselves. How, I don't know how, how busy some of us have been, but I usually still remember to eat my meals. <laughs> um, you, you see how Jesus cares for his disciples here, can't you? He, he loves them. He wants them to, to have the rest that they so desperately need. They need rest. Jesus knows they need rest. And so he calls them to go somewhere where they can rest, a desolate place a quiet place in the wilderness. And it's a helpful reminder for us too, as well, that we all need rest and even rest from ministry work. Uh, it's helpful for us to, to realize that because it's easy to get caught up in ministry to the point where we don't take time to rest because what we're doing is good and it's valuable, um, but we still need to rest. God's designed us in a way where we need to take time to rest and it reminds us of our dependence upon him. An example of that is every day, um, hopefully, we're sleeping. Uh, taking some time out uh, to close your eyes and uh, catch some Zeds and uh, find, find, find rest. And God's designed us in a way that we need that. And uh, it's a daily reminder of, of our need to, to rest. Uh, as Christians, uh, we can rest in the Lord in, in a deep sense, knowing that He has saved us, knowing that we're secure in Him that our salvation is, is secure because Jesus has already done everything necessary to save us. And, and while the rest that we have here and now uh, is, is somewhat limited, uh, we still find true rest in Jesus and we rest in anticipation of one day being in that eternal rest with the Lord Jesus uh, where we'll be enjoying Him forevermore in the new creation. So the disciples do as Jesus says. They go away in the boat and they head to a desolate place by themselves. 
the desolate place. I want you to imagine for a second that you've been working really hard. Some of you won't have to imagine that. <laughs> um, and imagine you've been going all over the place and you've been busy, you've been crazy busy, your Google Calendar has been packed to the rafters, but now you've got a holiday booked. And it's booked to a place that's described as whisper quiet. Your bags are packed, you're ready to rest, you arrive at this place in the middle of nowhere, only to see that it isn't so whisper quiet after all. Everyone is there. And I mean everyone. Thousands of people surround your Uber as you try to make your way to the door of the Airbnb. This is a lot like what happened to Jesus and the disciples. They've gone in the boat to a desolate destination, the wilderness. That's where they're headed. But as they start to make their way on their boat, the people recognize them and run ahead of them on foot and beat them there. <laughs> so they still end up in the wilderness but instead of being by themselves, ready for some rest and refreshment as they spend time in, in prayer, there are tons of people all around them, thousands in fact. Mark describes it as a great crowd in verse 34. Sheep without a shepherd. Now, the state that this great crowd find themselves in is the state that every human apart from Jesus finds ourselves in. Lost, like sheep without a shepherd. And it's a really sad way to be. It, it can be summed up as the reality that we are lost without Jesus. Uh, there are plenty of songs written uh, with the title Lost Without You. Unfortunately, not many of them are about Jesus, but, but, that's, <laughs> but we are lost without Jesus. We're not who we, may, who, we, who we are made to be. We can't understand things as they truly are. And we can't fix it ourselves. We can't find ourselves. We need to be found. We're sinners living in opposition to God, but often oblivious to that reality. Some of the words that you could use to describe a sheep without a shepherd would be lost, without direction, not knowing where to go, not knowing where we are. Exposed, without protection, uh, standing at, uh, ready at the, the mercy of wolves without that protection. Hungry, without nourishment. The shepherd feeds the sheep. Harassed, troubled, bothered, weary, tired, helpless, downcast, in desperate need. That's the sheep without the shepherd. The shepherd's solution. Do you notice Jesus' response to those who are like sheep without a shepherd? He doesn't berate them for it. He doesn't see those who are in need and look down on them. He isn't laughing at them. He has compassion on them. He cares for them. Uh, it's the same word used to describe the compassion the father has on the prodigal son in Luke 15. That's the one where he runs up and rugby tackles his son and gives him all the kisses and puts the robe on him and kills the fattened calf. Uh, he loves his son. Uh, his son who was lost is then found. That same word, that compassion, is the word describing the way that Jesus looks at these lost sheep with compassion. Jesus came to save sinners. And these people, just like us, need the Lord Jesus. And so how does Jesus help them? Jesus doesn't only feel compassion for them. He does something about it. He does something to address their need. So what does he do? He teaches. 
Jesus sees these people who are like sheep without a shepherd. And he, as the ultimate good shepherd, gives the people exactly what they need. Teaching. Teaching them many things. He speaks spiritual truths to these lost sheep that they may be found. Jesus tells them the massive news of salvation in him. They are sinners and he, the saviour king, is here. Jesus is the good shepherd. The good shepherd who feeds these starving sheep with his teaching. And he tells them of his loving coming to sacrifice himself to save them. Jesus is the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And he comforts the downcast. He finds these lost sheep. He brings them back into his fold. What a kind and compassionate saviour Jesus is. He finds the lost sheep. He welcomes them. He feeds them. He nourishes them. The other sheep chime in. Uh, The disciples look at their sundials, or maybe just the fact that the sun is going down, and and they say to Jesus, look, you know, it's getting late. We're in the wilderness. We're here for our retreat anyway. Send, send the people away to the other places in the surrounding areas so that they can go and buy some food. It's great that you've been teaching them and all, you know, fantastic, but they must be starving. Send them on their way. This was meant to be our holiday, remember? <laughs> but they've missed the point, haven't they? They're so focused on the physical food, they miss that here Jesus, who is the bread of life, is giving the sheep the greatest food that they could ever need spiritual nourishment of the massive news of salvation in Jesus. To send the people away now would be to take them away from exactly where they need to be, hearing from Jesus. The sheep need to be where they are, with the shepherd in the fold, not being sent out. But the disciples say this anyway. And you notice that Jesus tells them, you give them something to eat. I love that. Uh, And once again, they misunderstand and they ask, Or should we go and buy uh, 200 days wages worth of bread for these people? They underestimate Jesus. Jesus feeds them again. We've already seen how Jesus has spiritually fed them. And now we can see how he feeds them again. Jesus patiently and graciously asks how many loaves they have. And they say five and two fish. And then Jesus does the miraculous He commands the people to sit in orderly groups by hundreds and fifties, and he does a miracle of creation. Jesus looks up to heaven, says a blessing, broke the bread, gave it to the disciples to give to the people, and he divided fish among them all. Jesus makes five loaves and two fish into many more loaves and many more fish, to the point where everyone eats and is satisfied. And there's even leftovers, baskets of them, in fact. 5,000 men ate from five loaves and two fish. And that number doesn't include women and children there as well. So it could have been thousands more. Jesus does this miracle in such a way that everyone gets their fill. No one is left out. And, I mean, when you think about it, five loaves and two fish is not a lot. Especially when the disciples have been missing meals and there's thousands of others around. They must have been hungry. And these people had been there listening to Jesus for a long time. And yet they ate until they were full. 
How? Because Jesus has miraculously multiplied the loaves and the fish. And how Jesus feeds them miraculously reminds us of how God feeds the Israelites miraculously in the wilderness with manna, which uh, basically means, what is it? That's the kind of bread that God fed the people with back in Exodus. Mark, who wrote this book, is clearly drawing parallels with the Old Testament book, Exodus. And uh, we, we see how he's connecting Jesus with the God of the Old Testament, Yahweh. And, and when we remember that the disciples haven't fully understood who Jesus is yet, uh, we can understand, but not excuse, their confusion. And we see how gracious and patient Jesus is with them. They don't understand. But, but their reason for not understanding is not just being innocently oblivious, but rather comes from the hardness of their hearts. The disciples have been telling people to repent. Remember, that's the thing that they've been preaching, to turn to Jesus. But they themselves also must turn and trust in Jesus. Jesus feeds the 5,000 plus physically so that they don't need to leave, but can be where they need to be, with the shepherd in the fold with Jesus, hearing his teaching. Just like the man with paralysis back in chapter 2, where Jesus forgave his sin before healing him, Jesus prioritizes the spiritual need of the people. It's not that he doesn't care about our physical needs. In both cases, we see him provide for them. But it's a question of his priority, and that is the spiritual state of people. Jesus came to this world He came to save sinners, to nourish us spiritually, to not just merely meet our physical hunger. Uh, What use is a full tummy if we're headed for God's judgment? And even lack of food to the point of death need not frighten the one who is secure in this life and in the life to come in the Lord Jesus. Jesus sends them away and goes to pray. Jesus sent the disciples away immediately, Uh, no dilly-dallying here. Uh, They're to get back in the boat and go before Jesus back to the other side, to Bethsaida, the place where Andrew and Peter came from. And so Jesus sends them on their way, but he stays behind to dismiss the crowd. The loving shepherd sends his tired and weary disciples away. And then this crowd that he's fed both physically and spiritually, uh, he, he then dismisses them as well. And once again, we see Jesus' compassion, his care to let his disciples go ahead and to stay behind, to address those who were like sheep without a shepherd one more time. And after Jesus does this, he goes up on the mountain to pray. Isn't that so interesting? Jesus goes to pray. He goes to commune with his heavenly Father and with the Holy Spirit on a mountain by himself to pray. Uh, Jesus is fully human. And so just like he needs sleep, he needs prayer. And Jesus is fully God. So his prayers give us a glimpse into the eternal loving relationship of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Uh, when, we, when we think about Jesus going alone to pray, there are two uh, really helpful things to take away. Uh, firstly, Jesus is ever interceding for us with the Father. Jesus is praying for us. That's, that's a bit mind-blowing, trying to get our head around that. But when you think about that, that's awesome. 
Jesus prays for the sheep. He loves us. He has compassion on us. And he talks to his heavenly father about us. Secondly, Jesus shows us prayer by example. He goes alone to the the top of the mountain to pray. He went somewhere private and spent time with his heavenly father alone. He wasn't doing it to be seen by others. And a helpful test to ask ourselves is, do we pray when we're alone? When no one else is around, what do we do then? Because when we are alone, knowing we're never truly alone because God is there, that shows what we're really like, who we really love. It's good and right to pray together at Bible study and church and in prayer meetings and so on. But that's never a replacement for praying alone. It glorifies God and we desperately need it. Uh, Just recently, I've been feeling under the pump lately uh, with ministry and pastoring and stuff. And um, as as many of us know here on the team of of being on a church plant, it can be challenging. There are lots of things that we're all kind of learning together as we go. Um, and, And I've been feeling tired. But in this space where God's brought me Uh, to the end of myself and to see the need that I have for him um, he's been showing me more and more my need to depend upon him in prayer and through prayer God has graciously strengthened me when I don't have the strength myself Jesus walks on the water and the disciples are terrified in the evening the boat was out on the sea and Jesus was alone on the land considering how Jesus is almost constantly Surrounded by people, the moments alone must have been so helpful to briefly catch his breath. Uh, Jesus saw that the disciples were struggling on the boat. They were struggling to get where they were going because the wind was against them. Uh, Jesus waited some time before going to them. He went in the fourth watch of the night. Uh, For any of you wondering, that's after 3 a.m. and before 6 a.m. So Jesus goes to them, bright and early well it's probably probably not even bright yet um, but he doesn't have a boat remember the disciples took the boat uh, so he's just there and uh, he's now going to go to them so he walks on the sea <laughs> he made the sea you know the one who spoke the sea into existence he just walks on it because he rules it uh, the sea is so powerful like i don't know if you felt ripped before or uh, been dumped by a wave But when you think about that, you go, wow, who is this standing in front of us? It's Jesus, this this king of the whole world who rules this sea, the one who controls it, the one who calmed the storm just earlier. We see Jesus' divine nature, his control over the creation. And once again, we're reminded of the book of Exodus because Jesus, just as with Yahweh in the Old Testament, he controls the sea. The same Lord who parted the Red Sea for his people to cross over on dry land, now walks on the water to meet his disciples. And when the disciples see him, they think they've seen a ghost and they cry out, Ah! They all saw Jesus and were terrified. And, I mean, think about it. They're tired. They've been on this preaching and miracles tour. Their trip to the not-so-deserted desert and now an all-night-long battle against the wind on the ocean, and they see someone walking on the sea. We all probably would have screamed. (laughs) Uh, Jesus meant to pass by them, 
but after they cry out, he immediately speaks to them. He says, take heart, I am. Do not be afraid. That's literally what he says. Take heart, I am. Do not be afraid. And if, if, you, if you're familiar with Exodus, um, you might be thinking, where, where, have I, where have I heard those words before? I am. Well, as we've been seeing the many parallels to Exodus, Jesus is using God's personal name to refer to himself. The name that God reveals to Moses when he's in the burning bush that isn't consumed. Uh, the name of the one who rescued the Israelites out of Egypt through the water is here to rescue his disciples from the storm that they find themselves in. Jesus got in the boat and the wind ceased. He once again shows his absolute control over the elements. He's in charge of the sea, not the other way around. Uh, Notice here that unlike their earlier response of who is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him, the disciples here respond differently. They were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Which is another Exodus reference. Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and now the disciples' hearts are hardened. In the face of overwhelming evidence of the Lord's divinity and rule shown through the plagues, Pharaoh had a hard heart. He refused to recognize the Lord. He would not let the people of Israel go. And now, in the face of overwhelming evidence of Jesus' divinity, his identity as the Lord, who's right in front of them, the disciples have hard hearts. He's right in front of them. They ought to know. He's right there with them. They've even been on a preaching and miracles tour. And yet at this point, they still haven't fully grasped who Jesus is. If they had understood about the loaves, that Jesus is God himself who provides spiritual nourishment, that he is the bread of life, that he is the creator of the universe with all power, that he's the good shepherd, If they'd understood about the loaves, then understanding about his walking on water naturally follows. The creator God who's in control of all things, who made five loaves and two fishes, and then made them into many, many more loaves and fishes. Of course he can walk on the sea. He made everything. But they don't get it. And it's not because they're stupid or a bit dim, but because they, like Pharaoh... And like if you remember back a few weeks ago, like Herod, they had hard hearts. And this is a warning to us because here, even those on the inside don't get it. We can't just think that coming along to church is all there is to the Christian life. At the end, when God judges the world in righteousness, it's not enough to have an association uh, with Jesus to merely say, I went to church Um, It's kind of associated with him. No, we need to be united to Jesus. We need to be in Christ. Only then are we free from judgment and blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms and truly born again, truly new creations, truly recipients of eternal life. And what does that mean? It means we need to repent and believe in Jesus to turn and trust Jesus the Savior. And for those of us who have done this, we need to keep reminding ourselves of the goodness and kindness and love and compassion of the shepherd 
our shepherd, our good shepherd, the Lord Jesus, who protects his sheep, who laid his life down for us on the cross, who feeds us what we really need, his beautiful, amazing teaching of salvation in him. And the amazing news is that this good shepherd, God himself, he came down to this earth to save us, save sinners, people like me and like you. He, he, he chose to uh, empty himself by becoming one of us, walking the earth that he'd made, walking the seas that he made, feeding his sheep, being here for us, and then laying down his life on a cross, uh, the most humiliating, uh, excruciating form of death, and in doing so, taking on God's wrath at our sin on the cross, in our place. And why did he do that? He did that because of his love. You think about how Jesus looks at those sheep, those lost sheep, those who are without a shepherd with compassion. That's how he looks at us. That's why he came, because of his love and his compassion and his grace, fulfilling the plan that he, the Father and the Spirit had set from all eternity back, in, back before the creation of the world. There's so much richness to the truth that Jesus is our good shepherd and that he came to save lost sheep like us. And here are a few things that are worth reflecting on. Maybe right now you're feeling beaten down. Maybe you're feeling battered. Maybe you're feeling like you, you can't find rest in this world. Well, rest in the arms of the good shepherd who stretched out his arms on a tree to save you. Maybe you're feeling hungry and famished. Feed on the spiritual nourishment that the shepherd provides to his, his sheep and find true satisfaction. Read the Bible. Hear the shepherd's voice. Uh, be like those people who ran ahead to meet Jesus and who were taken from being like sheep without a shepherd to being sheep under the good shepherd. Maybe you're feeling exposed. Maybe, yeah, maybe you feel like that. Well, trust in the good shepherd who alone protects and guards his sheep. Don't hide from the shepherd. Come to him as you are and know what it is to be brought into his fold. Know what it is to be safe in his arms and protected and saved. Maybe you feel lost. Experience the true joy of being found by the shepherd who came to save you. Who came to get us when we were wandering far off. That's what Jesus did. He came to bring us in. Maybe you feel under attack. Trust in the good shepherd who protects his sheep from wolves. Shepherds have a staff and... Uh, we trust in a shepherd who has come to save us from our sin and who saved us from uh, death and from the devil. Jesus has broken the power of the forces of darkness by dying on a cross, saving us, rescuing us and giving us eternal life. When we think about uh, the nature of each of us being like those sheep without a shepherd, and we think about the God who looks upon us with compassion, it just fills our hearts with joy. 
doesn't it? To know this God who cares about us, who loves us, and who came and gave his life for us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the good shepherd. We thank you that you feed us what we truly need, spiritual nourishment above all else. Lord, would you uh, grant us forgiveness, uh, mercy. Lord, help us to know uh, that we're secure in you. Lord, if any of us are feeling lost, Lord, help us be found in you. Lord, for those of us feeling exposed, uh, give us uh, comfort and, and trust in you, knowing that you keep us safe. Lord, thank you that uh, even though this life brings many challenges for your sheep, we know that we have the good shepherd who has passed from this life into the next life, who really died and who really rose again, securing an eternity for us where we will one day be with you forever, uh, where there will be no attacks on your sheep, where we'll be secure for all eternity with our true shepherd, worshipping you. And we thank you for this, Lord Jesus. And we pray this in your precious name. Amen.